if we are open and receptive to it, then everything is our teacher. Even something we may not notice, the changing of the weather. Yesterday it was sunny, hot. We wake up this morning, it's cloudy, cool. Right? Whether it's coming, going, just always changing, never stays the same. Same for us in really all aspects of our life. Certainly that's true in our meditation practice. Constantly changing flow of experiences. Sometimes we feel inspired. Our minds are clear calm, feel awake, present. Then we may feel dull or sleepy. Bodies are hurting or we're filled with doubt. One day before the retreat is ending, maybe we're restless. Motivations, our motivation in meditation can vary a lot. Over the course of the interviews, these last few days, a number of people have asked about advice on supporting meditation practice when we leave the retreat and go home, which we will talk about tomorrow. But if you want to get an idea of how you will relate to your meditation practice, how meditation practice will go for you at home, pay attention to how it goes for you here in the supportive context of the retreat. Notice what you do when you're inspired and you want to meditate. Notice what you do when you do not want to meditate. When it's a drudgery. When, oh, I just don't want to come into that hall and another 45 minutes sit to tough it out one more time. What do we do then? And then you get to see how it is. It's not a judgment. We're learning. It's teaching you. And so if you reflect, if you follow your likes and dislikes, then you're learning. Because your motivation and inspiration and desire to meditate are going to, like everything else, are going to come and go.
even in the course of retreats. Even if you've had a wonderful retreat and you've touched some very deep places, some of you have been very inspired and, and uh, you know, we have so many people here for whom it's the first retreat and maybe had no idea what might be possible. And then you come in the next day, you were so inspired and may perhaps, you know, which can be different for all of us, perhaps, you're just done. What do you do then? Or maybe you reflect on what your intentions are in your life. Really from a bigger, we'll say more about this today and tomorrow. To really reflect on what am I aiming for in the bigger sense? How do I really want to use my time? What's of most value? And we reflect back on those intentions, whatever that is for you, and let that support us when we need the support. And then notice, learn, look to see how that supports you or not in the choices you make. So pay attention to right now in this sitting and really at any time on the retreat and that will give you some idea of how you might, it might work for you even when we leave retreats. So start to notice as we're sitting here now, check in, t- perhaps take a few moments. What's going on in your body? There may be certain obvious and strong experiences, pleasant or unpleasant. Perhaps there's just a general sense of the body. In the same way, checking in the states of your mind and states of your heart. Just to notice, to pay attention. We're bringing our mindfulness to what's here, what's real, what's true. This is reality. It's what's actually happening. It's not what we want to happen, we think should happen, our judgments about it. But can we set all that aside you do the best you can. That's not always so easy. But you try to set that aside and just look to see what's happening. And now that we've all gained a lot of skill and practice in meditation, we, we, we can start to use, let whatever's happening inform how to proceed. So we don't need a prescribed set of instructions. As we gain more skill and experience, We just open to the present moment and that can inform what's needed. And we've talked a lot on this retreat about using a foundational practice. Sometimes thinking of it as a home base practice or our main primary practice, which may be mindfulness of breathing for many of you. For some people, repeating uh, phrases of loving-kindness 
is, is the whole practice. A couple of people have told me, so whatever that is, resting in mindfulness of sound. So perhaps doing some body scans or there, uh, there uh, uh, can, can be some visualization. There's a lot of practice. We find this foundational practice. It's a place to rest and to support us to really, uh, as we've said a lot, we keep coming back and it's training the mind. We keep coming back over and over, training our mind to settle and become more steady undistracted. And so we use that foundational practice uh, and we give that as little or as much emphasis as we feel is, is needed or we want in any given moment. So when our bodies are at ease and our minds are settled and clear, there's not a lot else coming up. We rest there, at our, back at our home, just connecting with our breathing. When any other experiences arise, and of course there are always other experiences, and the way we've been teaching here, we tend to let them stay in the background and give some emphasis to this foundational practice. One of the things that many people have reported is as your mind becomes more steady and present and clear, without you doing anything, you naturally are more aware of all these other experiences. You don't even have to go looking necessarily. So you can notice if or when that might be true for you. And then you just stay with your breathing. And other experiences are naturally known as they arise and pass away. You don't have to do anything else. So there'll be times like that. Other times, there may be experiences, we've talked about other things in our body, or sounds. Or we notice the feeling tone, that word Vedana, maybe the pleasant, or that something's pleasant or unpleasant. Maybe we need to, we notice that, or may, right? Or we talked about now emotions that come. There's other things, whose thoughts are happening all the time. There's all, all this going on. And there may be times when um, things become more prominent on their own in our awareness, and we need to be ready and willing and able not to cling to trying to stay with the breath, but then what is this moment giving me and what is needed, what's most going to support me best in how to work with what's happening. And then we've talked about, we're just reviewing right now, you know, all these tools that we've talked about. Sometimes then we need to turn our attention to be able to meet, or sometimes it's not so much turning our attention, it's a sense of receiving, allowing ourselves to receive. We can have different flavors. It's not just one way. How do I connect with this knee pain? Or backache? Or my grief? Or happiness? Or fear? Or hope? Or joy? Or what excitement? Whatever it is. And sometimes 
uh, will still keep the breath in mind to come with us to meet this other experience as an ally and a support. And we breathe into the grief or we breathe with the sadness or the joy. Other times, uh, and, and you just use your best judgment, your best intuition. There's not a right or wrong way to approach this. You just kind of feel your way in what, what I need. Sometimes we let go of the, the breath. We let it go into the background and we have to wholeheartedly, fully give ourselves to connecting with and really feeling, being with, being present with whatever this other experience is. And then we may, you know, in a way it's like saying that's, that's for the time being has replaced our mindful breathing as our primary, we use this term primary meditation object. Sometimes we talk like that. So we just feel into the knee pain. We feel the burning, burning. Maybe if you're using noting, for example, stabbing, aching, whatever it is. We may notice if it's very pleasant, we're, we're feeling the pull, the desire for more, and perhaps it helps us to check in with the feeling tone, the Vedana. Oh yes, this is pleasant. It is pulling me for more. Maybe that helps us to relax the grip of that a little bit. Or, you know, I don't want to feel this loneliness. Ah, it's unpleasant. We check in with the, the feeling tone. Oh, yeah. And then we, perhaps that's enough or perhaps we use other means to help us let go. We reflect on impermanence maybe. Okay, it's not going to last. Can I stay present with it? Whatever. It's not a, we just use all these tools. Keeping our minds simple. So we don't want to stir up the mind. Figuring out what do I do? What were all the different tools? No. Everything we've talked about, it's there in the background and, and you'll know, you know, you use your best judgment on how to proceed. Sometimes it's some trial and error. It's not clear what's the best way to work with it. So we, 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 may, not, we may have to experiment a little to see. Sometimes we might need more than just being pre- mindfully present with an experience, we may want to do what we call investigation. We may want to look or feel more deeply into something. So we're not, it's more than just being with, we're actually exploring in some way. And that can be a verbal or nonverbal exploration. We may hang out with... Um, with a tightness in our belly. And then we're interested to like, huh, I have a sense, something, I'm saying it in words, but it might be nonverbal, just feeling into, oh, feels like there might be something here. Let me hang out here. We feel a little deeper and we realize, oh, there's some fear under there. Ah, okay, let me hang out with the fear. What has that got to teach me? What is it, what is it, what is it trying to say? So and maybe nothing, you know, it's not like there has to keep digging, but perhaps you have to see, but for example, then maybe 
we stay with that and we have a memory of a time in our childhood when, say, for example, it wasn't safe. It's like, oh, or, you know, so there, there, can be, there could be times when we follow the trail on something too, and that has a place. Again, we don't want to agitate the mind, but we want that to be a, another tool in our toolkit if we feel like that. So we mostly are keeping it simple about mindful presence, but we know there may be times when that feels appropriate to us, and so then we, we, can, we can bring that in too. We often, you know, I think this, this, the, we commonly will discourage thinking about things. It's more a sensing, feeling, experiential practice. So what I'm about to offer, you may not hear much from other teachers, but I want to suggest that there can be a place even within meditation itself for a, a thinking something through. We don't want to say that can never be, you know, we can't take anything and say it's never appropriate. I don't think we can make statements like that. The problem is, is that we're already so good about thinking things. That's what we've been spending our whole lives doing. We tend to overdo it. Don't overdo it. Maybe you have a special little toolkit where the thinking it through, thinking about part is, and it's like got an extra lock on that one so you, you don't grab it so readily. But there may be some times where just a little bit of light touch, there is a verbal process. I, d I don't want to say it can never be appropriate. And it helps us untangle a sticky place. So again, we use that. I've already probably, I, I'm backtracking a little because I, I'm worried about how much people are going to do this. But I do think it's important to acknowledge that we find what helps us and what works to liberate our hearts and minds. And I don't think we can say it's all one way or you can never do. We have to ultimately come to know what works best for ourselves. And then we don't rely on outside teachers or books or anything because we come to know. And so this is a process of coming into our own wisdom about how to proceed, how to be with ourselves. And then perhaps when we're, uh, uh, you know, we followed that trail, we have to know when it's time to not indulge when to stop and come back and connect with our breathing. Mostly, most of the time, stay with your foundational practice. Keep it simple. But as all these other approaches and practices and tools is really what it is, you use whenever and however much you need. And you'll know if you're on the right track if whatever you're doing is helping you to be able to remain present in a non-reactive way. And you don't have to completely be, you know, 
have no reactivity and 100% perf- perfection of presence. But if you feel like it's serving you to open up, we'll talk tonight about some insights, if it's leading into more understanding. And if that's understanding leads to, uh, you know, resting in a way with open hearts, quiet minds, you know you're on a good track. Life goes on in this way, moment by moment. I like that image of, you know, the waves keep breaking, keep breaking, keep breaking, and you can't stop it. It just keeps going. It keeps happening. So we can fight against it. And over time, more and more, I like that image of learning to surf. We can learn to surf. And so this attitude I'm presenting, we're going to go into silence now for the rest of the sit, but I just want to open up that you have a lot of skills and tools now. And it doesn't mean you'll know what to do every moment. And sometimes we still, all of us, we need to talk with someone else or read a book or whatever will support us. But you have a lot of resources And, it's a, and this uh, willingness to experiment and just, so now it's time to, you know, uh, it's like you've been learning to get your pilot's license and um, you've been with the instructor in the seat and slowly you've, his hands are on the, the, pilot, the, the steering wheel of the plane less and less and yours are on more and more. isn't really a good analogy because you act because <laughs> I real I realize uh, but, but <laughs> I was going to say you know it's it's time for your solo and I think it's an okay analogy I'm not a pilot but I know uh, people who have and have said you know by the time they were ready to solo they really knew that they could just do it and it's exactly the same, except we'll just add in, and, and for real, uh, you, you can't crash and burn. Really, you can't. <laughs> and even when it actually feels like that's what's happening, when it feels like that's what's happening, um, you already know. You already know. You've done it. Everybody in this room, every single person has sat through challenges so you know if it feels like you don't know your way to fall apart you know you're going to emerge from it you'll find your way you'll come back so we already you know have a lot that we can depend on in ourselves kind of a and hopefully that can help over time a confidence in ourselves can grow that even if we don't know the answer perhaps we can bring these tools that we have and have a confidence in order to, to say um, you know okay I'm not afraid to, uh, uh, you know, just put my toe in the water and see. And just let me be open to see what might happen. And I'll end with this quote from 
Um, the, the author E.L. Doctorow, he was talking about, he said, writing a novel, I'm going to change it and say, this is the quote, but, but instead of writing a novel, I'm going to say, meditation, pra- actually life, but I'll say meditation practice is like driving a car at night. You can only see as far as the headlights, but you can complete the journey of a thousand miles that way. You only have to see as far as you can see. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to know more than you know, and you don't have to be more skillful than you are. You only have to show up and notice what happens. Use the tools you have the best you can. And you make, you make it a little step further. And now all of a sudden I can see a little further ahead from that. We work and we learn. Even if it doesn't go well, you're learning. We can take another step. And so hopefully that can give us a confidence just to rest in the knowing So we'll use the last part in silence then.
Are there any questions? Are there any questions this morning? Yes, please. Could you all hear? She's asking, I was using the term. Yeah, that may not have been the right. I can see how that's confusing. Is it important to pick one thing and stick with that? Well, again, I have to be careful because I can't say for you what's supportive. Um, but there's two different aspects to that. One is, for example, uh, more than one person in retreat has, uh, in interviews has said to me, like, so I have a Christian practice, or somebody likes to go with the Sufis, or maybe I'll do some Zen, or Native American tradition, or, or even within Buddhism, I'm drawn to different things. And so, is that okay? And the answer is, you know, when we, when we, if we step back from meditation practice and just open up the broader, our spiritual lives, or even just our lives, it's... What's, remember, from, from a Dharma perspective, it's, we call this a liberation through non-clinging, right? And we'll say more, we'll come back and revisit even more tonight, like what do we really mean? So what supports us to live, to actualize that more in our lives? Whatever does that. So you may find that you hang out with this, this kind of group or that kind or do this kind of practice and that, and all of those are supportive and everything. So you can, it's again, we're following our own inner knowing and just because we have different things doesn't mean we're dilettantes or we're jumping around from one thing to another. So, you know, I, that's just my perspective is that we have to find what supports us. And a lot, of, a lot of people find that they have multiple traditions or multiple practices or different things they do and that they, they all fit or they complement each other in some way. So, of course, you know, we, we, want, we don't want to invalidate anything. That Also... Um, uh, I remember once Ram Dass said, this was maybe like in the 1970s or way back, you know, I heard him say to someone, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're, all go, we're all checking out all these different groups and we're basically all collecting all these practices so in case we ever actually decided to take something to go deep with it, uh, we'd have a practice. <laughs> so there, there could be that too. But so then we have to look and see if that's happening. So... From a practice point of view, I think that many people, probably most of us will find that if we take something and it's kind of, we think of it as foundational. When I was using the term foundational here, and I see that, that perhaps that was confusing, I meant more in your meditation practice here, we have like a home-based practice, like your mindfulness of breathing, you keep coming back to that. Uh, uh, or you keep repeating the phrases, or, or you, you know something like that, that that we keep coming back to as our home base practice. That, so because having that one thing, because if you jump around too much, you know if we if on this retreat you came and said, well I'm going to do a little uh, contemplative prayer, and now I'll, I'll try out that mindfulness of breathing, and eh, maybe I'll do a body scan, you would actually get tremendous benefit for sure, but it may not be so you may not take one of them to see the depth that might be available to you. You don't have to see. So that's what I meant when I said sticking with one thing. But even within that, as many of you know, you might say, okay, whatever. Like say, for example, I'll stay with my breath. But I really like using these metaphrases. So you may find that 
uh, either at the beginning of every sit, you, you're actually doing a different kind of practice. You're, you're, you're doing that for a, a bit or a few minutes or whatever, and it opens you up and you just you feel great, and then you go back to your breathing. Or even during the middle of your just working with your breathing, at any time you, you might work with the phrase. It could be other practices. I'm just using that as an example. And then you bring them in and, and yeah, that's just what I need. And then you go back. So that's not jumping around. That's like using different things as needed to, because we, we don't want to, we want to take things and go deep, but we don't want to feel rigid. So you have to find it. But, you know, my suggestion to experiment with is find something you're drawn to. Keep the other things in there, bring them in as you need them, but really feel like I've got one main thing that I'm going to really explore, say what might be here to offer. But also to know over the course of a day, a week, a, a lifetime, that may change in what used to be, wow, that was my... Like, for example, I used to, in my early days, uh, years, I used a mala a lot. I haven't used it for years. It would feel kind of clumsy, and why would I even do that now? But at the time... So that's an example of a practice that just dropped away. Okay? Yes, please. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you'll see over time how much you're drawn to that. Does it work with the breath? Do you let go of the breath? More go to the front? You know, so you'll, you'll, you'll find your way. So, wonderful. Thank you. Yes, please. Right. And, um, right. I always refrain from doing it. Right. And then I sort of regret it because I feel like so much right. happens. And I, I don't well, here's, here's an analogy for you. There have been at least two people who came in in interviews and, we, and something was, you know, we say like, don't start yakking on your phones. Uh, Somebody came in and, and reported, I'll, I'll share with this uh, tomorrow, uh, some of, you, know, you might want to know, what, nothing big, well actually there were some big things in the news, I've already stirred up your mind, but uh, uh, so I'll sh- we'll share with them tomorrow, you'll find out soon. It's just been an interesting week, like all weeks, and uh, uh, one person uh, came in and talked to me in the interview and said, Richard, did you hear blah 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 happened? And I said, well yes, I had, uh, how did you hear? <laughs> And I said, you know, you are so busted. <laughs> and of course, so, you know, I really wish we could get um, cell phone jamming technology on the retreats, but we don't. But the person, it seemed it didn't kill their retreat. The person had a wonderful deep retreat. So a person came to me on the phone and uh, two people came in. There's something going on. And so we don't, it will stir your mind up in ways that really you just don't even recognize and what could have happened on the retreat and you just wouldn't have known because you didn't deepen in the silence. It leaks it away for real. Having said that, these two people, I said, get on the phone. And you may have to do this two or three times during the retreat and handle your business. And it helped them settle so much. So you can't have a one-size-fits-all instruction. Journaling. 
my, so my wife's a journal. There are shelves, <laughs> and I talked to her about. It. I mean, I'm, you know, believe me, I'm not going to go there about. The, you know, you know, you know, maybe we don't need all every dream you had in junior high school. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, but you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> But anyway, so you got to be careful, you know, respectful. But so, you know, if there's on the one, so, but let me say this. Here's what I do. You got to find the balance because I understand and respectful people are real journalers, which sounds like maybe you are. There's all the power and importance of that and what it offers and anyway, all the enrichment, everything. So it could serve you possibly, but mostly that has the same effect as talking and it's got a lot of verbal stuff going on and everything. So here's my suggestion as something you can experiment with. Because if you're about to pop, it probably can help. Maybe write a little, so, geez, you know. <laughs> Mostly don't do it, but you know, you may, if, maybe if it helps you settle, but here's what I used to do for years. I, I just realized I haven't done this in years and years, but whenever I was on retreat, I had one of these little, like, little tiny spiral little notebooks just like that one you've got there, just a little tiny thing, like that's like three inches by five inches or something. And that and a pen and a watch lived in my pocket. Every time I came in to sit to meditate, before except I pre-clicked the pen so I wouldn't disturb anybody, very quietly set it down, opened the thing and I set it right there. And it just sat there. Most of the time was never used, but if something got going in my mind, Rather than just letting go, I found that just by writing, you know, because a lot of inspiration comes, like, okay, I know what I'm going to write a book on and blah, blah, you know. It's, I'll write a word, a phrase, one or two sentences. Now I've got it. That's all I need. And I know when I go back, I'll remember totally what it is. It relaxed my mind. And I didn't have to try to let it go and have it keep popping in. So I found that that could be very helpful and it wasn't overdoing it. You have to be as honest with yourself as you can about what helps your mind settle and what stirs you up. That's a long answer. So I, you may have realized by now, I'm just not capable of giving a short answer. <laughs> it just can't be done. We have time for one more question if there is one and then we'll, we'll have to end. I'm not saying it's a, it, it, because here we're doing a particular kind of, there's a lot of important aspects of what we do in life that are important, but that we consciously set them aside in order to do something very specific kind of training here. And a big piece of the training was this concentration side that we talked about, about the mind being able to settle. And it just turns out through experience, many years of many teachers teaching their own experience of what they've done and working with many, many people that you, I'm just, you're kind of going on faith and you can, I'm just telling you, really, I don't have an opinion or a judgment about what you should do, but I'm saying what works for people to settle is to really deepen in the noble silence. Writing is a verbal process. It gets that whole part of your thinking things through, your thinking, reflecting and everything. That's different than just connect with your breathing, connect with your breathing and letting the whole verbal part 
settle out in the service of the stillness. It just is. Right. So this is being a student of what might be. So here's the, the, the assignment here is to see what might be possible in training our minds to be uh, to awaken, to be. Under, it's a particular kind of training and learning. It's not the regular kind of conceptual learning. It's a non-conceptual experiential knowing and being. This is different, right? So that's the answer, okay? Okay. So uh, just a couple of things real quick. Uh, hopefully, if you know, no burning questions were left, but we don't have much time. Um, um, once again, for this morning, would someone uh, volunteer to lead the 1030 sit, ring the bell to end it at 1115? It would be a tremendous service if someone would. Thank you very much. And you could either sit up here and ring the bell, which is really nice. I like it when people do that. But some people like to bring the, the bell to their seat if they're uncomfortable or whatever. Would any, it's the, it's the next sit, which starts at 10.30, and then you ring the bell to end at 11.15. And then the sit after that that starts at 11.45, that ends at lunchtime. So you'll ring, the, okay, thank you very much. That's a tremendous help, so thank you. And then a couple of other announcements. Uh, the schedule is going to change today, and I don't know if they've posted it, but it, let me just, they have, so let me just mention. Um, and you can notice with this changing, how you are and just kind of stay and we're still here so you can see is the pull is it stirring you up is it not whatever you know uh, schedules the same up through lunch and up the two up to the 2:30, and then we'll be back here in the hall just like usual but there'll be a a, a different kind of uh, it's all going to be an experiential they're going to do some, uh, gary and leslie can do some really wonderful very powerful practice uh, but that's what they'll do for 2.30 and have for the afternoon. And it's going to, I really think what they have in mind, what I've heard of it sounds just really uh, uh, rich and deep and powerful. And then uh, at 4.30, regardless of whatever else you do, please come. It's, it's very important that everyone be here in the hall at 4.30. The manager's going to give some talk. We'll arrange if people need shuttle rides. Or some, we're going to take care of some business. And then it'll also be a time to explain how the rest, it's not complicated, but, it's in, but how the evening will look and what tomorrow will look like, so you'll just know. But for now, just be aware that we're going to have times of silence, but there'll be some times between now and when we end tomorrow of being able to talk and connect with each other. Some of you want that, so just know you're going to get some time to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, we'll tell you when, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll tell you when to do it. But just to know that's the kind of thing that's going to happen. You know, uh, you'll have an opportunity to, if you want to find out about like Marin Mindfulness Institute, Leslie's thing, there'll be opportunities. There's just going to be some stuff like that happening. And we'll just explain it all so you don't have to think about it. It'll be simple. So definitely come to the 430 sit if, uh, if anything else. And that's all. Right. We'll announce about the recordings, but the basic answer is, is they'll, they'll tell you how to get, all the recordings are available, all the talks, the Brahmihars, all that stuff, and you'll, the manager will, is going to tell you how to deal with all that. So that, that gets handled. Well, anyway, 
Uh, so, uh, any, so thank you. Any, yeah? You guys good to go? Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.